Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,108. Be prepared to be very inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Yorkshire in the United Kingdom, across the pond again. I seem to get over there quite often with a very special guest by the name of David Brown. David, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I'm ready to release the clutch. I think so. A guy who's done many clutch releases, and what comes to mind is a wonderful video I watched of uh, your family history uh, and a, a bad clutch issue that uh, resulted in some uh, injuries to a family member. But we will get on with the good part of what you're doing. But before I give you a proper introduction and we dive into this fascinating project that you're building these days, what's one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you, David? <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm the same age as all the old people. <laughs> you're just like me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good it's a good age to be right it's a great age to be at whatever age <laughs> well you know i always uh, joke with my mother uh who's still with us when she complains about another birthday and i said mom beats the alternative oh, certainly does. certainly does there you go well we're going to dive into an amazing life you've had but more importantly what you're doing today so here's a nice little introduction. David Brown is the CEO of David Brown Automotive, where they hand build and impeccably finish the finest cars in the tradition of British coach building. A lifelong petrol head, David founded David Brown Automotive back in 2013 after running and having, I think, over 30 businesses. We'll learn about that. A move fueled by his love of both classic and modern cars, as well as his deep-rooted passion for British craftsmanship in manufacturing. Using predominantly British source premium materials and traditional artisan craftsmanship, each of the company's vehicles, whether it be the Speedback GT or the popular Mini Remastered, is painstakingly handcrafted by skilled craftspeople at their build facility in Silverstone. David Brown Automotive creation appeals to a wide audience, those who value elegant style, quality materials, hand craftsmanship, and appreciate the passion used to create each bespoke individual vehicle. We'll be back in just a moment. The first word from our valued sponsor, so give them a little listen, and we'll be right back. Covercraft's newest five-layer indoor cover is especially engineered for indoor use, providing maximum dust protection when your vehicle's stored in the garage. Your five-layer indoor cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form, and fit with the quality and attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. Even if your vehicle is always inside, dust and fallout can damage the paint, and an extra layer of soft, Breathable material protects from accidental bumps and rubs. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. Every one of my vehicles is protected with a Covercraft cover, custom fit to fit the car like a glove. And I have a deal for you. If you use the code YEAH21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your order plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Simply use the code YEAH, Y-E-A-H-2-1, at checkout. Covercraft, 
protecting the things that move you. I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. My carrier seemed to be turning into a media company versus an insurance company, and I realized that a portion of my policy premium was paying for all those so-called free media goodies. So I did my homework, I talked to knowledgeable collectors, shopped around, and discovered American Collectors Insurance. They've been serving the collector car hobby since 1976. You last that long by properly serving your customers' insurance need, not with a lot of fluff. ACI is ranked the number one online collector car insurance provider according to Google, Trustpilot, Facebook, and they offer their real person guarantee live support. No never-ending phone loops when you need help. Plus, because you don't use your classic car as a daily driver, you could save up to 40% compared to regular auto insurance. American Collectors Insurance provides agreed value policies. So if you experience a total loss to your collector vehicle or it's stolen, you'll be paid the amount listed on your declaration page, less any deductibles, of course. No ifs, ands, or buts. Give them a call today and ask for your free quote at 866-A-C-I-Y-E-A-H. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Greens, at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. So, David, your family's history is absolutely fascinating, and it explains how you got to where you are today. And I'm going to put a link on your website page here on my Cars yeah website where people can go and watch that. I watched it last night. I watched it again this morning, and we could do five shows on your history <laughs> alone because of what you've done. But in a way, this history, the trucking business, and then all these other businesses that you have created and built and sold have led up I think in a way they've been training for what you're doing today so what I'd like to do is touch on more of today but I'm going to go back a little bit because you're a true blue car guy too you did rally racing you've done a lot of rally touring and if you can explain to my listeners how those affected what you're doing today because in the video you explain it really well and I find it really fascinating and it's kind of a trend that's happening these days with us more mature gentlemen as you said in the beginning of wanting to enjoy the history but enjoy the comforts of today so talk a little bit about this rally racing and touring how it led to this incredible business that you got I've always made things, so that's the most important thing. Ever since I was a small child, I was always making something. And then with the family business, which was the earth-moving business, as in building the earth-moving machines, um, which are now all over the world, that just helped me understand productionizing manufacturing as well. So you know that business was started with two people, my father and myself, eventually, I'd taken over from him, and I had three and a half thousand people. And um, you clearly make things in a different way. So the way in which you manufacture is always of great interest to me. You couple that with, and I was the demonstrator driver for a while of the articulated dump trucks we made. And I consider myself really lucky here because I've driven most things, you know, 100-ton trucks and rally cars. And you get a feel for what's happening underneath you. Even now, as I'm talking to you, I've got an imaginary steering wheel in my hand, which I'm <laughs> applying a little bit of opposite lock to. There you go. And um, you can just feel the way things are, to feel what's happening. 
and then if you're in the business, you can tweak the design to uh, capitalize on that experience if you think that experience is good. So my rally driving days were in a couple of cars, a Subaru and um, a car that I then built myself, which was a world rally car uh, with a Ford Puma body shell. That, I was as interested in setting the car up and in making sure that everything worked the way it ought to work as I was in driving the car itself. So, um, you know, I got as much pleasure from both aspects of that. Now, all those things do clearly feed back into the way in which you set out to make a vehicle, um, but they feed back in in a different way. So I think my top speed in a rally car was something like 130 miles an hour through a forest. Conventionally, not very fast. Um, it is in a forest on a gravel track. <laughs> no kidding, yeah. <laughs> I never had a great deal of interest in building, in inverted commas, a supercar, you know, something that will break the 200 mile an hour. Still don't have any interest in that. None whatsoever. So when I went on the endurance rally, so one of the rallies peaking to Paris through uh, uh, Mongolia and then other places you wouldn't be allowed to go through today. But all of that, you just got to the point where you really, you know, a different hotel every day. You got to be really efficient and efficient in packing things so i wanted to package the car so when i made the um, the speedback gt it was as a genuine gt you know real grand tourer i wasn't interested in building a track car i wasn't interested in building something that would um, you know have some absolute top speed that i doubt you would ever 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 use but i was interested in making something that was both beautiful and eminently usable I mentioned this earlier, a lot of us who are getting to a point in our lives where we've enjoyed sports cars, we've lived through all these cars, and even for people who have been busy with life, if you say, and finally at a point where they can go back and buy what they determine their dream car to be. Usually it's something when we were teenagers. Uh, for me, that would be the late 60s, 70s, and I think that's somewhat the same for you. We get in those cars and we are kind of left going, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, this isn't much fun. You mentioned that in your video with a, a beautiful uh, Daytona, which everybody would go, wow, well, that's pretty cool. Well, I've driven one of those too. And you're right. You get out of it and you go, uh, hmm, interesting. It looks beautiful <laughs> from the outside, but the inside, it's a lost soul in a way. Of course, I just rolled a bunch of eyes with that comment, but go drive one. You'll know what, what uh, David and I are talking about. But let's talk a little bit about how you've taken that history and the fascination that us petrol heads have, but brought it to the forefront where we can go out and enjoy it. And you mentioned a grand tour. That's what most people want to do. Get out on the road, enjoy, drive, be comfortable. You told a great story about being on one of the tours where you rented a little car because the car you were in broke uh, and uh, everybody wanted to drive that because these old cars wear us out. So that's where this came from, right? It's a, a reimagining like Rob Dickinson has done with Singer, another uh, fellow Brit, and there's been others who are doing this as well. But you've taken this to an incredible level. Uh, it's it's absolutely fascinating. So talk about first the Speedback GT, what this is, how you put it together, and then we'll get into the fun of the Mini Cooper. Well, the Speedback GT, first of all, the cars that still the world's most valuable cars, and in lots of ways the world's most beautiful cars, are the cars that came out of the 60s. So my fascination for the 60s, apart from the fact that when we entered the 60s, I was five years old, but when I left the 60s, I was 15. And um, everything happened in that period of time. And it was a period of real revolution in lots of respects. 
you know, that after the austerity of the post-war years, you then had suddenly things, you had freedom. And the freedom was freedom of expression. And so you had freedom of expression in music, in art, in sex, in life, in absolutely everything. But those cars were designed by the people who were experiencing all that change. So the big flowing lines, the, um, the beautiful simplicity of those cars was something I wanted to emulate. But equally, I wanted to make it practical and usable. So there were then considerations as to how to achieve both of those things. The fun we had, well, we had fun all the way through, to be fair, but the clay model, full-scale clay model that we made of that car to get the style right, to get the lines right, to get the, the flows from one pillar into the next pillar, all that's got to be done with taking into account all of the practicalities that lie behind it. You know, where the strength is in the doors, where the, um, uh, how the doors will mount to the frame, all the things that people just take for granted. So it was a, it was a fantastic and fascinating thing because I'd never done that before. So I'd never styled anything. You know, when you're building a dump truck, you will spend uh, half of half of half of a percent on the styling. The rest is how you make it last. But the styling was a great, uh, it was an eye-opener for me in lots of ways. But it involved, again, some traditional techniques like actually putting clay onto uh, uh, a shape and creating a shape. And then some extremely modern techniques like digitally scanning that surface once you were happy with it. And that's what the fascination of manufacturing, I then knew that, you know, if you scan the surface and you had a digital uh, representation, you could actually make the thing using 5-axis CNC machines. So some of the detail on Speedback GT, the side strikes on the front wings, um, they're beautifully manufactured from a billet. Um, but they're manufactured using five-axis CNC. They're hand-finished to get the level of depth of, of reflection in the chrome. But at the same time, they are actually made. But the, the point about that is each one's the same as well. So in the days of the 60s, it all depended on the joiner, basically, the carpenter, who would um, look at the clay model and attempt to measure it and then build the, the what, what are called hammer forms. So our bodywork is made in a really traditional way using a thing called an English wheel, which uh, some of your listeners, I'm sure, will, will know. Maybe they call it something different in America. I'm That's sure. the same thing over here. Yeah, you're, you're bending and molding metal by running it through two wheels by hand. It's amazing. That's right. But then once you've done that, you know, at what point have you got the correct shape? And so the correct shape is when you place that onto what are called hammer forms and you finally finish that shape off by bending and twisting on these hammer forms. But these hammer forms have been produced on a five-axis CNC machine. So the combination of uh, really, because you know, the English wheel was used to make stagecoaches um, and um, that's where it started. So the combination of the two things was, was and still is absolutely brilliant. I love it. Now you're making only a hundred of these speed bags, correct? That's right. Yes, they're bespoke. Yeah, I mean, building a car like this should be fun. It shouldn't be something that is left to us. The customer is encouraged to um, be part of a process that that develops that overall specification. And then during the build process, there's a web portal that they can go on to on a constant basis and see the real progress being made. 
Wonderful. So I would assume then the experience that a customer, one of the lucky few is going to have one of these vehicles is that historical sense, the visual historical sense, but a modern sense of luxury and style and comfort all combined in a one nice little package, right? That's right. And um, you know, one of the nicest things any car journalist has said is when he came back from a test drive in one of the Speedback GTs. And he just said, I, he said, it's fantastic. He said, there's only one word I can use to describe it. And he said, it's complete. <laughs> By that, he meant, you know, everything from the amount of luggage space there is to the uh, cute little uh, picnic seat we have in the rear. I love that. Through to the styling, through to the handling, the ride, etc. And um, I was dead pleased with that word, one word. I think so. Yeah, that fits perfectly. Now, to a bit of an extreme, but you're still carrying the quality and the, the luxury, is you've t- gone to a Mini, which is quintessential British. First time I ever drove a real Mini, I couldn't believe it. Uh, I looked at it when the guy drove up and I went, okay, I've seen these before, but how much fun could that be? And I didn't want to get out of that thing. It was, uh, <laughs> you used a word in the video. What was that word you used to describe the Mini? Nippy. When you drive a Mini, everyone comes to, if people come to test drive it. Or when I drive one, I get in and I think I'm going to drive nice and reasonably, et cetera, et cetera. And most of the time you do. But you can't help yourself because you are so up one with that little car. You know, whichever direction those front wheels are pointing in, eventually it's going to end up going there. Mm. It is so, it's forgiving in many respects, but it's also extremely honest. You know, you can feel everything and you can you can get the feedback through the steering, which gives you that connection with the road. But a modern car quite simply just does not have in any way shape or form and um so um yes the words nippy nippy it just nips here and it nips there and nips everywhere <laughs> i love it yeah it's a perfect example and did you set out to do these two different extremes initially of the two bills you're currently doing because in my mind they are rather extreme if you you think of an old Mini Cooper compared to, say, an old Aston Martin or Jaguar or something more luxurious and sporty. But in a way, you're bringing them together with the bespoke nature of what you're doing and the quality builds, too, and the paint finishes, because old Minis were never finished the way you're doing them. No, old old Minis were finished in rust. (laughs) And um, (laughs) one of my heroes, my real hero, was my father, and I remember him always saying, the Mini was one of the best engineered cars in the world, but one of the worst manufactured. Mm. Whereas the VW, the VW Beetle was the other way around. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah. So when we looked for something else that, because we, you know, we started to develop a brand which had some some meaning to it, um, because obviously all these things start from nothing, and you've got to build everything up. And um, the brand started to stand for something. So it was then what what other cars could this company produce and um you know the mini just kept hitting the top of the list all of the time um and no one was really doing it in the way that we are so you know people were restoring them but and we you know we call it remastering and we do but we make it in the way that if Izigonis was around i'm sure he would have been proud of Yeah, no doubt. We'll take a short break and we'll come back because you created a nice little segue for me here to talk about what I call driving inspirations, mentors, or people important in your life. Certainly that's your father, and I'd love to talk a little bit about him. So keep the seatbelts on 
And we'll be right back. You listeners know that I'm a huge car care fanatic, and my friends at AutoGeek created their Wolfgang Deep Gloss Paint Sealant for perfectionists like you and me. Wolfgang a Deep Gloss Paint Sealant is designed to provide long-lasting protection and a glossy, slick finish that, well, it's unmatched. The use of polymer technology ensures your paint is protected from environmental contaminants, those damaging UV rays, and lasts up to three months long. By providing the glossy look of carnauba wax with the longevity of a synthetic formula, Wolfgang a Deep Gloss Paint Sealant is the best of both worlds. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their skilled technical support. Autogeek.net is where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market Driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions. Ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. Today's vehicles are essentially computers on wheels, and it takes more than a wrench and oil to keep them humming. That's why Cars Yeah! supports TechForce Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to driving tomorrow's workforce of skilled technicians forward. Techs keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling. Yet there's a massive tech shortage because many young people don't know it's no longer a blue-collar job. Today, it's a new-collar career. It involves computers, technology, it's in high demand, you get paid really well, and you can live and work anywhere in the country. I know you're passionate about cars, trucks, and motorcycles, and you can help pass that passion on to the next generation of techs so our rides keep rolling down the road. Visit techforce.org today and learn how. So your father, obviously, huge inspiration. You created a business with him. He created a business, brought you in from the time you were young. Again, I'll refer back to that wonderful video about your history, but I'd like you to talk a little bit more about your father and how his impressions left a great impression on you to go forward and be so successful in so many different types of businesses. I think that the, there were two elements to my father, and one was brilliant and the other wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm sure most people would describe their father in a similar way. But yeah. the biggest thing that is imprinted in my way of thinking is was his lateral thinking. So um, I can recall on one occasion saying, Dad, we had this problem. Yep, uh, I've got eight solutions here to it, and I think solution number four is the best. And he would look at it and say, that's not the problem. And uh, you suddenly realized that you hadn't gone into something in depth or in the detail you needed to, to either understand the problem or you simply didn't know. You, you hadn't looked laterally enough to discover that there was another problem causing the problem, causing the problem, etc. Oh, okay. And, um, so, and he would do that annoyingly <laughs> to nearly everybody and everything all of the time. 
but more often not he was right and i remember when we first started selling um dump trucks the articulated dump trucks into america um over there typically they would use a, a scraper with a towed by a, a bulldozer and um when we came along with this new thing you know we we coined a phrase we were solving a problem that they didn't know they'd got and um uh and showing people a different way of doing things and um it was it it became massive that that you know you had to look at life differently look at it through other people's eyes and see what they what their problems were and fit your product to a solution to that and that was my father's way of doing things all the time and it was all about lateral thinking and um just thinking things through differently and uh, more positively but he certainly wasn't pragmatic <laughs> You're a master here at uh, moving into the next comment or thought process, and that is challenges. It sounds like your dad approached challenges in a very unique way, which helped him become so successful. And that's one of the things that uh, you mentioned the word. Uh, my dad always used to say, I'd say, Dad, I have a, a problem. He said, no, you don't. You have a challenge. Rethinking that process. When you think about your life, you, in my mind, don't seem to be very afraid of challenges. You've built so many different kinds of businesses from the trucking business you guys had, manufacturing design, to restaurants, to clothing boutiques. I mean, all these different things that you did. Is there one huge challenge you came up against in your life, maybe even a big failure that set you back a bit? But more importantly, I like to talk more about what it taught you. So you could take that forward, perhaps even into the business you have today. Yeah. Well, first of all, I never, ever, ever look back. I certainly don't look back with any regret about a single solitary thing. But I do clearly remember the mistakes that have been made or the times that have been had. Now, a lot of this is... Obviously, businesses don't survive unless they make money. But to go into a business just to make money, then you may as well be a banker or, uh, you know, someone that plays plays with money. Um, I go into a business to add value. And I think that um, you can add value in lots and lots of different ways. So in the shops that I have, for example, the value was added in the experience of, the way in which that shop felt and operated. And I, I won a, an award for a department store of the year uh, in the UK once. And it was a tiny little place, but it was unique. And um, and you, you so you add all these different things all of the time. You, you've got to keep looking for what is, you know, what is what feels right, what is new. Some of my trips to the West Coast of America have inspired me, always, because of the, the relaxed way of thinking over there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love it. A very different atmosphere, for sure. I think of your comment there with your shop. If you think about, let, let's pick a biggie, Ralph Lauren, and you go into the shops that he created, which back in the day were very different than your normal shopping experience. It was it was a feeling you got when you went in there. You felt very special. And even if you couldn't afford all the clothes in there, you always ended up buying one thing because that brought that special feeling home with you, I think, is the way you do it. And cars are a lot like that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think the thing that, you know, we, we all, when we reflect back on life, we can, we've all got great experiences, whatever they are. And they don't have to be anything to do with money. You know, they don't have to be that I had the best meal in the best restaurant in the world. And in fact, often those are forgotten about long after the simple experience. And I think that, you know, sometimes you have to 
relax in life, to enjoy these things. And you have to learn from the past. And learning from the past, you know, I've, I've done some things with, I remember shop fitting one shop, and I did it too well. And uh, people came in, came in, and it was too, they, they were put off because they thought the prices were going to be too high. Mm. Um, and um, when I say you dumb it down, I don't mean it quite in that sense, but you certainly take away some of the, in this case, some of the surfaces, some of the columns, etc., and make it simpler. Um, and so you do learn about all those things. But but equally, back to briefly to those cars, the lifestyle experience that I was selling is still the same, except this time it's a car. And um, understanding the way people will, what people want, and I'm not presumptuous enough to think that I know what people want, but I think I know what I do know, what I want. What I want. And, um, uh, and I think that other people can buy into that. So I don't remember, uh, you asked whether, what challenges. I don't really remember. I can remember, <laughs> I can remember working 60 hours a week yeah. um, non in one stretch. But, you know, they, they were just something you had to do. And um, so they were, that's it, really. <laughs> you know, I remember a quote, I think it was Steve Jobs that said, I'm going to create things that people don't even know they want. And yeah, that's it. That's what we were doing. Exactly. Creating <laughs> creating product to solve a solution to a problem they didn't know they had. Well, it goes back to your trucking business and those uh, masterful engineered articulating trucks that now we just see and go, oh, I wonder who created that. Well, now I get to talk yep. to the guy whose family did it. <laughs> you know, bucket list items. You're you're a guy, and I, I joked with David listeners at the beginning. I said that guy in the Dos Equis commercials, the world's most interesting man, should be David Brown, uh, not the guy there with the beard. I don't know who he is, some great actor, I guess, but he's played the part well. But you've done so many unique things. What's still on your bucket list, David? Well, one thing I'd like to do, I've traveled all over the world, but I've nearly always traveled on business. And... Um, I've been to some great places and never really had time to, to breathe. And, uh, I, I mean, everyone says they want to travel more, but I really do. And uh, I've got a little journey in my, planned in my head from the very top of Norway down through Europe, down to a, a beach in Ibiza. And uh, I'm going to do that shortly, I think. Nice. Um, but um, you want people around you to prosper as well you want them to grow you want them we've had a lot of young designers that we've did a work for us and the greatest moment in some respects is when they say we're leaving because we've got a fantastic job and they've got a fantastic job because they work for us and um, you know they've become uh, um, they've become so multi-talented in the different things they look at so they're not just designing a fuel cap but, you know they're designing so many different elements of the cars and i i, I do I, you know, I miss those people but my whole ethos is to create an environment within which others can succeed well a sign of a true leader and that's a wonderful thing having run a business the best people were the ones that left and part of me was sad, but part of me was very happy because they grew, but they outgrew us at the time. We were a smaller business. We couldn't offer them what something else could offer them. I always watch them walk away with a smile, a smile on my face, uh, feeling that, well, perhaps we had a little touch in their success, which is great. You know, you're a car guy, most obviously, so I would love for you to share maybe one special vehicle in your life. I've got two, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I hear that from so, time to time, David. <laughs> <laughs> the Puma Rally car I had 
which had the um, uh, WRC underpinnings to it, nice. was just a fantastic machine. And um, it was 0 to 60, back to zero in about 3.8 seconds. Oh, my gosh. On, on gravel. On gravel, I was going to say, um, yeah, in the trees. <laughs> and um, it was such a fun car to drive. You know, it never, ever frightened me at all. You felt like you had two seat positions, one for tarmac, and on tarmac, I dominated the car, so I moved the seat forward and up a bit, so I could really sit in control of that car. But it, I can, again, I've got this imaginary steering wheel in my hand as I'm talking to you, <laughs> but you could just feel that thing slipping and sliding underneath you. But I don't have that car anymore. Uh, what I do have is um, an old AC, a 1937. It's called uh, wow. a 161680. And over the years, I've modified that car make it suitable for these endurance rallies and um you get into that thing you can drive you know anywhere in the world i know how to fix every single solitary nut and bolt on it it's a beautiful car to drive but you you really you know you can you can smell if something's going wrong on the engine bay you can also smell the roses as you drive past them on the side of the road and in the right places the dead cows in the ditches oh <laughs> You know, you're in touch with things in that car, and um, and I love that car. I think it's a, it's a great car for a great experience. Wow, what a what an experience! And you've driven that car in some rallies, thousands of miles all over the world. Wow, very intimate with that big that big beast. Yeah, really, really good fun. Yeah, no kidding. So I'm going to be your car psychologist here today, David. So sit back on the couch and give a thought to this. I'll bet you nobody's ever asked you this. If you were reincarnated, pun intended, manifest as a vehicle. Now, this isn't what you want to be. This is how you perceive the man in the mirror as a vehicle. What would David Brown be? But more importantly, why? David Brown would be a Range Rover. Okay. You knew you knew exactly where we were going there. I did because I think that it's simple. I've had every model Range Rover since they first came out. And um, it's a car that, uh, and it's like me, I can be as comfortable in my own company in absolutely the middle of nowhere. And a Range Rover is capable of being that car. But I'm equally comfortable driving up to into the West End of London and uh, going to the best hotels, etc. Whichever it is, the Range Rover can do it. And so can I. Absolutely. What a history there. I like to ask people how they like to give back to people in the automotive sector. And we really already touched on this in my mind. I, I truly believe the best people in the world are those that create opportunities for others. Your entire career has been about that, building businesses, creating jobs for people, helping people learn to be better. Is that how you see yourself as someone who's given back? That's exactly how I see it. You know, I, I, I don't want to be successful for myself i want to be successful for others i want others to be successful and i want them and as i said earlier my, you know my mantra is to create the environment where they can be so um it doesn't matter to me in that sense it matters to them and i know it does so giving back to those people is and i'm sure that uh, of the few uh, ten thousand people that have see me at some stage as their boss, they would all say that I did that. I would think so. Brilliant. How about a great book that you'd like to share with our listeners today that you've enjoyed? Okay. The two books, um, like there are two cars. One is uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Covey's book, yes. 
Covey's book, yeah, and that prompted me into a different way of thinking about things many years ago when I first read it. And um, there are many other books of a similar nature now, but that really was, um, um, you know, the paradigm shift that he talks about right at the beginning is what we all have to have on an almost constant basis in our life. So I relate to that massively. And then the other book is a, a novel, it's called Birdsong by a guy called Sebastian Falks, and uh, set in the First World War. And that novel is about two things. One is the horror of war, and uh, but at the same time, it's a love story. And the combination of the two things together, in my mind, is a perfect gentleman's book. Nobody's ever mentioned that book, and I'm happy that you you have because I've got a place on my website called Guest Recommended Books where my inspiring automotive enthusiasts have shared, gosh, over 2,500 books now. Wow. Uh, you listeners can go there and click on that, and I've made it easy for you to buy. So I'm going to get my hands on that book and uh, enjoy it. I've not read that. That sounds wonderful. So I'm going to enable you to go on the ultimate drive. You're a guy who's already been on many ultimate drives, but today might be a little different because I'm footing the bill. I'll buy you any car in the world, David. You can take it anywhere and enjoy it anywhere in the world, and you can be with anybody, even somebody who's passed, which opens up a lot of options. What does the ultimate drive look like for somebody who's already been on many, many ultimate drives? Okay. Well, I've actually had this ultimate drive, but I'm going to go just step back say okay. that if I could I would I would take my father in my speed back uh-huh. and uh, because he never got to see it and I would I have no idea what his opinion would be but I know he would have one <laughs> yes well of course he would yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, whether he'd like it or say well that bloody stupid why have you done that <laughs> um, not, not a clue um, but I'd love to do that with him in a similar way. So I want to know, you know, what the, what he thought. I want to know what he thought of the experience and whether yeah. he thought it hit the mark. But when I say I've already done that, last year my grandson, Buddy, who is uh, six years old, he and I went on a car rally locally here in, in Yorkshire. And it was the first time I'd taken him properly out of a speedback. And um, I had the most wonderful time I think I've had with anybody in a car. <laughs> and um, it was just brilliant listening. And he thought it wasn't a race, but he was convinced it was a race. And eventually we got back before anybody else did. So as far as he was concerned, we'd won. <laughs> you were the winner. <laughs> yeah, and I let him think that. And uh, I still let him think that. But if you ever listen to this, yeah. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> well, of course. Wow. What a treasure. Uh, yeah, I recently became a grandfather myself for the first time, and I look forward to that day. Uh, little Gunner, still a little tiny uh, for doing that ride. Not sure his mom would, would, would let me take him on anything uh, in a fast car right now, but at some point we're going to have some fun there for sure. What a wonderful thought. So you've taken us on an incredible ride today, and, and you listeners, again, I'm going to put links to David Shono's page, a link to the video that you must watch. You will learn many more facets to this diamond that we're talking with today. But before I let you go, could you share some parting words of wisdom, maybe a success quote or a mantra with our listeners? Well, I will share one uh, that is probably not as positive a thing as people might want to hear or would expect to hear. But I've learned over the years this, that things are never quite as good or as bad as they first seem to be. Mm, Wonderful. I love it. Perfect. How can people learn more about your business, David? Uh, great website, which you said you're going to put a link to, David Brown Automotive. And um, there's the all of the cars are on there, as well as the uh, the story as to 
where you go from building dump trucks to uh, building luxury motor vehicles. <laughs> Quite a journey that you've been on. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to do a shout out. Thank you to John Cook at Influence Associates for introducing me to David. John, thank you once again for bringing another all-star to the Cars Yeah! lineup. David, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and sharing amazing life and story. Uh, I can't wait to talk to you again someday about your next great venture because I think there's going to be more. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Look forward to it, Mark. Thank you for your time, too. This was delightful. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!